Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at silverbirchranch.org on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. I'm with Matthew Schruck today. And Matthew is our grand pooba over at the Refuge, a ministry of Silver Birch Ranch. And no stranger to the Younger Older program, as we have talked before. He's a younger guy. I'm an older guy. And I appreciate his love of God, his love for family, his love for the creation out there, enjoying what God has made. Can you bring us up to date then, Matthew, on what's, uh, what is the refuge and how can people take advantage of just disconnecting and being with you and enjoying who God is with this unique experience that we have right there on the Wolf River in Langlade County, Wisconsin? Absolutely. So the Wolf River Refuge, as you said, is a uh, ministry of Silver Birch Ranch. Uh, we have eight cabins uh, right on the Wolf River, uh, tucked away in the woods just a little bit. Um, our motto is building relationships, investing in family, and that's what we do. Um, we do that in a lot of different ways, uh, whether that's family getaways um, or you know other kinds of retreats. We definitely have done um, youth group retreats. We've done elder board retreats. We've done mother, daughter, father, son. Uh, we just do hunting. Did, we did. Yeah, we do hunting retreats. We got a hunting retreat coming up here in November, of course, for uh, Wisconsin rifle season. Sure. Um, we've done fishing retreats. Uh, we just did a couple of nice women's retreats in October. Uh, just like with Silver Birch Ranch, of course, too, we do also go year round. Um, so summer is definitely busy, but it's great to see the place growing. Great to see it, uh, continually used more and more in this fall season as well. Um, but yeah, we've, uh, we've definitely seen a lot of fruit being, um, and the housing is a little different. It's not it's not cabin style like over here at camp where you got ten people in a ten by ten room. Right, right, right. We have some options that are a little bit more. By the way, we don't have ten people in a ten by ten room. That was an exaggeration. Yes, that is an exaggeration. Yes. Uh, we do have we do have some traditional bunk style options, but most of our cabin spaces are um, very different. Uh, we don't have any like no two cabins are exactly the same. Um, it's an old resort that we've remodeled yeah. and, and kind of taken each cabin the way it's laid out and, yeah. and given it its own personality. Yeah, it's like Silver Birch Ranch meets Airbnb kind of a thing. That's right. No fun. Yeah. yeah. And it's in this beautiful spot on the Wolf River. The Wolf River is really one of the treasures of the state of Wisconsin. And we have a bunch of rivers and streams and, and lakes in this area. Oh, yeah. And the goal of, of the refuge is the same as Silver Birch Ranch, you know, to know Christ, to make him known. We want to give you an opportunity to unplug. And I'm telling you, when, when you change your place and you change your pace, you change your perspective. Absolutely. And so we're, we're looking to give you an opportunity to change your place, change your pace, and change your perspective. If uh, you are uh, discouraged, you're not connecting with God like you'd like to, we would love to have the opportunity to serve you and allow you to slow down a little bit and enjoy God. Bring your Bible, come sit, read it in the quiet of the Northwoods and enjoy what God can do in your life. And I know, Matthew, that's the, the thing that keeps you going is people connecting with God the way they should. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, right now we live in a, a crazy time and you have um, a lot of younger friends. I do. And I have a lot of older friends. Makes sense. And I think they're all doing the same thing. They're all trying to figure out what's going on in the world at this point. And there seems to be a mass exodus from job sites. People are, are seem to be resigning, not wanting to work. But it's not that they don't want to work, I don't think. When I talk to them, it seems like they are confused about why they work. Mm-hmm. 
Now, what are you seeing out there? Are you seeing young people your age, even those who went through Nicolay Bible Institute now and they're in the area, are, you know, are they anxious to get to work? Well, um, y- yes and no. Um, you know, I, I definitely see people that want to be doing something. It just, uh, it, it definitely doesn't look like it used to. Um, you know, there's, all you have to do is take a, take a drive through any town near you and see all the, uh, help wanted, help wanted signs in the like store windows to know yeah. that something's going on, of course. But, yeah. um, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it definitely is an interesting time. I just, even like, I don't know, it, you have all these jobs that need help. Um, and then you, even after, you know, after COVID, it's been, it's been a, it's been more than a year and a half, right? Since everything shut down, and uh, he, my father-in-law, he's a uh, he's a big engineer for uh, Harley Davidson, and now a lot of those upper end management positions, they're making all those jobs permanently at home, with the exception of you know office visits and you know, meetings with the team that need to take place in person. Yeah, well, what do you think that's doing to us? I mean, when you look at what happened, let's just look at COVID-19, the whole whatever happened. I mean, there's been a lot in there in this last year and a half. How has it changed us? Has it changed? I mean, when you're talking to the young people that you serve and the families that you serve, people come up. Is What has changed? Is anything changed? Um, Yeah, I mean, the attitude towards work definitely has changed. It seems like people are, they're definitely seeking almost a convenience, I guess, of having that, um, I don't know, that flexibility of where you can work, I guess. Right. That COVID kind of required of us, I suppose. And then now that things are going back to that way, it's, you know, the idea of going back into person is... I don't know, somehow daunting and is now something getting in the way of the lifestyle that we got used to during COVID, I suppose. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was a new norm that was established. People stayed home for months. Months. And they began to understand that they could work from home and they began to adapt to how you do this. Yeah. And then work, wanting us to come back in and adapt to not being at home anymore. And people had already adapted to being at home and they thought, I could actually do this. Yeah. And then you have young people that are looking at the workforce, mm-hmm. thinking, I, this is my take on it when I talk to them, thinking, you know, I don't want to work just for money. Right. However, I do need to eat, and, and I do need to live somewhere, so I need to pay for that, but I don't really want to work just for money. Yeah, no doubt. So now they're a little pickier on what they're doing because they don't want to work just for money. However, they will work, but... It seems like if they do that just for money, they're working just enough yeah. to survive and not really how my generation, the boomer generation, worked to get ahead. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, even from when I went to college and stuff like that, I went to college at Whitewater and I had a bunch of friends that, um, I had a bunch of friends that were doing business degrees at Whitewater, of course. And um, man, they have this idea of just, uh, I'm going to get ahead, but even then it was where I'm going to get ahead just enough to sock a little bit away, but really I'm getting ahead so that I can afford to take this two-week vacation down to somewhere tropical every year. And then it basically, you know, with the exception, again, of a little bit socked away, 
it's wiping the slate, the slate mostly clean. Right. And so, I don't know, in a way, COVID, <laughs> you were home. It was like not a vacation, but at the same time, you were doing your own thing to a very large extent. And right. I guess... We got used to it. We got, yeah, we got used to it. And so it's, again, not a vacation, but in this way, people grew more accustomed to living at their own speed. Um, right. And so I guess maybe that's the new, we're going to do this so that we're going so to work in a way So how do you think can, business should adapt to this? I mean, how do you, how do you adapt to it? Uh, should businesses adapt to it? I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, I... You know, I just look at Silverberg Trans, the refuge, and et cetera. And, and one of the things I'm seeing, we have an extremely qualified staff. Yeah. And and really, almost every day, somebody talks to me, and I ask you how you're doing, and you're living the dream. And, I mean, always. the whole works. It's like the people that work here are investing in people. They're enjoying people. And, and their work has some purpose to it. Yes. And so it seems like a different atmosphere in that sense because it's not – I don't think anybody's actually up here because of the money we pay them. And I mean, they might be, but I, if they are, then they don't realize what's out there and what, what else they can make. <laughs> so I, I don't think that's the reason people are here. And when you look at who's here, you, you see this dedicated group of people that love God, love each other, love their family. They, they like being around people. I mean, you see that. Yes. So it's like, okay, well, in, in one sense, we're not struggling to have people come and work here. In fact, this last summer when the world was struggling, we had an overabundance of people applying to try and work with us. That's true. Now, what that shows me, and it's talking to young people, is people today want purpose in their work. Mm -hmm. That's all. They, they want to know that their life is going to matter, and they want to know that work is going to matter. Yeah. The trick is figuring out, of course, where you're going to find that meaning, right? Right. You know, I think part of the reason why we're seeing such a lackadaisical attitude towards the workforce in general is because people are seeking that meaning. But uh, when your meaning uh, stems strictly from your own comfort, right? why would you want to leave the home? Right. And I think that's something everybody has to look at because um, you were around Sunday. I was speaking at a church and you were there and I was talking about the importance of really understanding your purpose. Yeah. And your purpose isn't comfort. No. Because if that's your purpose, then nothing will work in life. Mm -hmm. Because this world is not about your comfort. What? That's right. It isn't. I'm in fact, shocked. there's a lot of things that are not comfortable in the world. However, your purpose <laughs> never changes. I mean, let's look, through, look at the, the Bible characters that um, we actually reviewed Sunday and some other times. But you, you look at a guy like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, big shots in their, their government. All of a sudden, the king asked them to do something that was obviously wrong. They know their purpose. Their purpose wasn't, you know, to be a big shot in the kingdom. Right. Now, that happened to be their job. But their purpose in their job was greater than their purpose of their job. Yes. And, and that's what I want, like, your generation to really hear. You can go to, to Wendy's and work. And I'm not promoting Wendy's. I'm just saying that as a name. <laughs> I, you can go anywhere you want to work. Isn't the owner uh, or the I, previous owner of Wendy's a Dave as well, though? Yeah, I think so. So go to work for a Dave. Yeah, yeah work that, for that, a Dave. I guess that's the lesson of that's the day. The, that's the new yeah. moral. Yeah. Well, go and work. But, but when you flip burgers, you're doing it with a purpose of representing who the king is to the people who you serve. 
It, it's not about flipping burgers, and it's not really about the money you get. If we would take the idea of the benefits and the money off the table and say, God, where would you want me to serve? Yeah. And go serve where he wants you to. When you do that, here's what will happen. Some of you will make a bazillion gillion dollars because you're, you're going to go into something where you're going to become a Fortune 500 president. You're going to make all kinds of decisions and, you know, something. Mm -hmm. Some of you are, are going to be a grandma reading books to grandkids and enjoying it. You're not going to make a dime. In fact, you're going to spend your own retirement funds on books. Some of you are going to flip burgers at somewhere. Some of you are, are going to be a school teacher. Some a firefighter. It doesn't matter what you do. What we have to do is rescue the idea of purpose again in our life. And our purpose isn't to make a living so that we're comfortable. That's not our purpose. Right. So those, of, those that are listening are saying, you know what, I, I need to go find a job that pays me more money. When, it, when a young person tells me that, normally I say, why? Ken, I uh, ask you this. In the Bible, we're told that we need to learn to be content in every situation. Mm -hmm. How can you be content when you're not comfortable? Depends on what you mean by comfortability. Well, but honestly, I don't know that Americans can do that because... We don't think you can be content if you're not comfortable. Yeah. Yet there are people who love God that make choices to go to other places in the world where they'll be uncomfortable for the rest of their lives. Find comfort in the Lord through their discomfort. Exactly. And, and the reason that we need to define things properly is because when we're out of the, when we're in the wrong definition, mm -hmm. we're getting in trouble. So, so the idea of comfort, okay, when are you most comfortable? I tell you when I'm most comfortable is when I'm enjoying God and I know I'm listening to him and he's by my side, when I'm not separated from him. Mm -hmm. Okay, then in any situation, I can be content. Prison, sickness, health, wealth, poverty, those things are, don't matter. No. Not when real purpose is there. I'm telling you, if you're listening, one of the things you gotta work on is grabbing a real purpose. And make sure the purpose is of God. He made you a very specific way. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when we first moved up to the North Woods, we were, we, in 1981, we were just starting the ministry of Silver Birch Ranch on a year-round basis. There were no groups. There was no plumbing really six feet under because it all froze. So we had a, that first job was to dig trenches and to put pipes under. And that's pretty much what I did for a year. Uh, it was just put pipes underground. And we got paid very little. I came from, uh, uh, my wife and I were both teachers. We were both getting full-time salary. We quit that, we came up here, and we made hardly anything. And I can remember at times just uh, talking to people, and, and I had gone and tried to get a house and that kind of thing, and they'd say, what's your income? And I would tell them. And, and I used to, at a, as a young man, I used to feel embarrassed, like they think I can't make money. Yeah. Until I realized it wasn't about making money. People can't comprehend that, though. No. No. They it's, think money is the meaning for why we're doing what we do. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. the Bible tell us, though, that we're not to love money? You know, that does sound familiar. Yeah. And not only does it tell us not to love money, but it tells us what we are to love. Mm -hmm. And we get confused when we start using what we should love and loving what we should use. Money is there to be used, not there to be loved. And it's not there to make sure you hoard it for yourself and make yourself comfortable. 
I'm telling you, the Bible's clear. You need to be responsible. If you don't work, you don't eat. So go work. But it doesn't say that you have to work for a certain salary, certain benefits. It doesn't say no. that. No. And it doesn't, you know. I think it's okay, too, of course, to, you know, want to, in the process of working and serving toward your greater purpose, like, I think it's okay to, you know, get creative and, again, like you said, be who God created you to be. Um, and if that looks like doing something outside of an established career base, absolutely. Yep. Go do that. Glory be to God. Um, but regardless of whether or not, like you said, regardless of whether it's flipping burgers or starting your own business or starting your own ministry or doing whatever you want, like um, it doesn't change it. all of the details of it. They, right. <laughs> they only matter temporarily. Yep. You know, the reason why you're doing it is that's going to be there for all of eternity. Yeah. You know, I love it when I see someone that lives their life with the purpose God gave them to do. And they might be working at a fast food restaurant or a Fortune 500 company or a ministry or being the government. I mm -hmm. don't know what their job is. But they get up every morning and they go, all right, another morning. Mm -hmm. I get another day. Now, the mercies I see. yeah, you might go and, and flip burgers that day, but, but you're saying, I get another day to show those people around me who Jesus is by how I live. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? You're going to get paid too, by the way. And when you get paid, use it to eat or mm -hmm. give it away or do something with it. And and that's the healthy attitude. Well, and you think that maybe it's a stretch out there to think that, you know, you can be happy and excited about, you know, going to work and being kind while working in fast food. But, I mean, mind you, not everyone is this way there, but, like, Look at Chick-fil-A. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is our pleasure to serve you. You know, yeah. like, it, uh, man, some people are doing some really great things for the Lord there, making chicken. Right. And that's awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, the greatest things in the world is to understand that God made us unique, but he made us all to glorify him. He made us to show the world who he is through any circumstance of life, any circumstance. Mm-hmm. So when we're trying to manipulate the circumstances so that we can give glory to God, doesn't we don't need to do that. Any circumstance can do that. Mm -hmm. It's more of a, us knowing who God is and trusting him. And I would encourage each young person that's listening, if you're wondering, or anyone, any age, that's wondering about what should I be doing with my job, my career, whatever it might be, would you ask God what you should be doing and look and see the opportunities that are around you that, that would fill your skill set, whatever that is, and and enjoy the fact that God would use you in that process. Absolutely. And if you're making 200000 a year plus, or if God tells you to sit by this brook and drink from it until it dries and the ravens will bring you food at night, like, hey, you wait there and you just find that comfort in the Lord. You just trust that those ravens are coming. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting story there, because remember that what precipitated that was Elijah praying that there be no rain. Mm -hmm. Okay. When, when the prophet prayed that there be no rain and God answered that, it means there's no food for him either. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like he was saying, give me food. He was saying, stop the food and circumstances. I'll just trust you, God. So then he goes and sits by a brook and ravens bring him food. It's like, okay, that's, that's one odd thing. Well, yeah, but 
once again, it's not the circumstance. His purpose was to show this wicked king that he wasn't God, but there was a God. Mm-hmm. And so his purposes were exactly in line with God. Absolutely. So he sat down. Here's what I find intriguing. That brook dried up. Mm-hmm. So before he could get used to the idea that the brook provided for him, God took it away because the brook didn't provide for him. God did. Yeah. So then he goes to a widow who's got one meal left, and God says, tell her to give it to you. It's like, huh? Now, now remember, I, I'm thinking circumstantially here, that's not nice. You know what I mean? It's pretty bold. Yeah, that's not even nice. <laughs> However, I have to think who said it. You know, okay, God, come okay, give it. Okay, God, you must have a plan. See, that would be my next thought. You must have a plan here. Be like asking you to me to sacrifice my son on the mountain or something. I mean, you must have a plan. Mm-hmm. So he does that. The widow tells him, I'm, "I'm just preparing my last meal, and then I'm going to die." Well, why don't you die earlier? Pretty much, he said, "Because give it to me." What's interesting there is that she was concerned, like any mother, with her son and their life. And after she gave that meal to Elijah, the oil never ran out. Mm-hmm. I mean, filled up those, and then, I mean, eventually it ran out. But what's interesting there is, here's what I think the lady thought at that moment. She thought, oh, I don't have to worry anymore. My son will not die because of the oil I have in the flower I have. God says, you're trusting that? He's going to die. And then, once again, God was showing this lady in the circumstances of life that he was God and that he cared because mm-hmm. he came back to life. You know, I mean, it's like I, I look at that story as, as a guy in ministry, as a guy just working like anyone else does, only I do it here at Silver Birch Ranch. And I look at it and I go, okay, God, you give us things like houses and cars and money. But the minute we start to depend on those things, a storm comes. Yeah, you, you'll probably <laughs> show us that you can't. Yeah. The minute I think that the the food in my pantry is what I can depend on if the rest of the world goes underneath because I have four years of dried beans stored away somewhere. That's a lot of beans. No, I, I don't. But if I did. Frozen blackberries? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, that may be. <laughs> but then all of a sudden you see God saying, you know what? What you don't understand, Dave, is... I gave you those, but not so that you would trust in those. I gave you those because I loved you. Stop trusting in your beans. And I think that could be applied to everything in our lives. I don't know what we all trust in. And if we're believers who grew up in a church, we know the Sunday school answer to that, so that's what we think we're doing. Yes. But God knows better, so he works on us. And I would uh, suggest that anyone that thinks that money will take care of them or give them significance or God will show you that that's not true. If you wake up in the morning thinking that God isn't your God, money is. Yeah. Now, you have some some strange uh, health issues when you eat. Yeah, I do. Yeah, so God has robbed you of the pleasure of food. I didn't deserve the pleasure of food. Well, I, I'm just wondering, you have a really good attitude about it because I really never see you, 
you know, cranky about it. And I'm, other people probably have, but I, I have not seen you. It gets easier. Real cranky about this food thing. And and yet, you have that. I have narcolepsy. It's yeah. not like we're the two healthiest people that ever roamed the planet sitting here. No. <laughs> and yet, really, we, we totally enjoy what God's doing with us. Yeah. And, the, and the diseases or the infirmities or whatever you want to call them that we have really haven't stopped anything. No. I mean, you can focus on whatever you want to in life. You want to focus on what you can't do? Then you'll be miserable the rest of your life. Here's what you can do. You can get up today. You can love God. You can know who he is. You can go to work, and you can enjoy the fact that he would use you to show the world who he is. And you can make yourself available to him knowing that he'll use you then. Mm -hmm. And he may do it through your nice attitude. He may do it through... Somebody, you work in a fast food restaurant, they threw their coffee on you because it wasn't, you know, hot enough or something. Or, and, and your attitude and people watching, you don't know how God's going to do that. Right. But your job is still the same as my job today. Mm-hmm. It, there's this um, really good message from Vody Bauckham. Um, it's a sermon on, he calls it uh, Sermon on Three Trees, and he talks about um, three ways that we can, of course, um, exemplify uh, God's attributes and what we do, how we work. Um, you know, th- does it point towards what is truthful? Does it point towards, you know, the beauty of God? Does it point towards uh, what is good um, and useful? Um, but he makes a really good point, too, and he talks about um, basically the dominion mandate. And a lot of people talk about the dominion mandate in Genesis, and they talk about uh, hey, we're going to take this world and use it for our own devices and stuff like that. But what he takes it as, is he, and he interprets this too, is um, talking about work, right? Um, what is it? Genesis 2.15, and God took the man which he had made and put him in the garden to cultivate it and to keep it. Uh, work is not a product of the fall, and we tend to treat it like that. We tend to th- treat it like work is this nasty thing. Um, right. and it is it is a chore and nothing else, and it is because life is terrible that I, I don't know, but God works, right? Yep. That's why he, he rested from his work on the seventh day. Each day at the end of it, he looked at his work and saw that it was good. Work is a very good thing, um, and it should be in all circumstances, so long as it's pointing pointing to the one. Who is good. Yeah. You know, and, and again, I think you point out something so valuable for everyone to think about. Work is, we were designed to work. Even before the fall, Adam and Eve were tending the garden. I have no idea what they were doing, but they were doing something. We were made to work. Yeah. And everything about your, your body shows you that. When you work it out, it gets stronger. When you, mm-hmm. you know, it's made to work. The thing that we're not made to do is sit and do nothing. We're not made to do that. Yeah. And so I encourage you, uh, and we're going to talk more about this with Matthew in the next adventure here together, but I encourage you, get your perspective in the right area. Understand that God made us to work. He didn't make us to work necessarily for minimum wage or maximum wage or whatever you want to. He made us to work. Go out there and represent him well and represent him in everything that you do. If you can get up every day and understand that God's purposes are going to stand, that you can be a part of what he's doing, then your future every day will be excitement because you're looking for God to work. 
I'm Dave Wager. This is Younger Older. We're coming to you from the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute.